Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. It's undeniable that our world is full of evil. There's brutality, there's violence, crime, abuse. But here's the good news. God put you on this earth to interfere with evil. So listen in to understand the level of authority and power God has granted you to stop evil in its tracks. I'd like to share with you something that came to me this week. It was uh, very picturesque, very, very uh, clear, a distinct impression comes straight from the Bible. Nothing made up in my mind, thank goodness. That'd be unfortunate if it was. Um, But it was this. You know what? God has called you and me, us, to stop evil from influencing people, things, and situations. He has called us to stop evil influence. And the picture that came to my mind was Adam. All right. So Eve was there in Genesis chapter three. She was, she, she came into touch with Satan. Do you know you come in into contact with Satan all the time or his, at least his, his minions. All right. If you're scared of Satan, you shouldn't be. You're in, you're, he's, he's, impacting your life on a daily basis <laughs> on a daily basis but there there's there was satan in the form of a snake talking to eve and you know what right behind her right to the side was adam standing right there the whole time listening to the conversation seeing what was happening and he was a non-entity in the situation he could have been he should have been but he let the whole thing happen and then when Eve turned around and offered him some of that forbidden fruit, he, he took it as well. And my thought is, you know what? You and I are smarter than Adam because we, we, we know the story. We know the outcome. And we see the same situation played out day in and day out with friends and family. And are we doing what Adam did and standing to the side and letting it happen? Or are we going to step in front of our Eve (laughs) and confront the enemy and interfere with that evil conversation that's going on, that evil influence that's going on. You and I, we have the knowledge we have. I'm sorry, the lights go on and off. We're, we're going to get led lights in here. We're not going to have to deal with what we're dealing with, but we can, we can step in front of Satan and our friend and say, I am cutting off this evil influence right here and now. I'm, I'm going to do it. And that's what I'd like to share with you tonight is some thoughts from the Bible of how we can do it. Now, I know that on Sunday nights, I've mentioned Matthew verse, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. This is not the first time that we've discussed this, nor will it be the last time. <laughs> this, this is central, front and central to spiritual warfare. These scriptures right here, front and central to spiritual warfare. And we need to remind ourselves of these scriptures frequently, frequently. Aren't you glad that God didn't just give you a scripture and let you read it one time and then pull it away from you and never let you see it again? Aren't you glad that the Lord gives you the scripture and lets you think about it and read it year after year after year and let let you be impressed with it? Well, that's what we're going to do tonight. And the, the first question is, you know, I pose this question first, how to stop evil from influencing? The first question is, can you 
stop evil from influencing certain situations and people? Can you do it? Well, these scriptures tell us that we, in fact, we can. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20 says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, By the way, Simon Peter Simon was his name. Peter was the name that Jesus had given to him. He was going by, interestingly enough, he was going by his old identity and his new identity, all kind of meshed together. So remember that. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, referring back to his old nature. He said, blessed are you, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter. (laughs) You're not Simon, all right? You're not Simon Peter. You're Peter. You're a new creation. You're a different person. You have a new identity, all right? And guess what, Peter? I want you to do something with it. I don't want you to stand around like Adam stood around. I want you to start using your new identity, your new authority, your new power to begin to stop influence in this world. He says, I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of evil, of hell, of Hades will not overcome it. I'm going to build my church on the likes of you, Peter, the new creation, and you are going to stop the influence of evil in this world. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. We're going to see what that means here exactly in just a second. But whatever you loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. And he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So let's look at this, and let's see what this has to do with stopping evil in this world. And first and foremost, Peter had this revelation from God that Jesus was not just any ordinary man. He was the Messiah. And what what implications at that time and what implications today does it mean for us to realize that Jesus is the Messiah? He's the chosen one. What does that mean? Well, it meant back there, back in that time, and it means to us today, first of all, that Jesus was going to conquer all evil. The revelation of who Jesus is, is Jesus is going to conquer all evil in this world. And he's going to do so with finality. And and as we learned this morning, uh, Jesus came to end sin, not just forgive sin, but to end sin. And so for Peter to say, you're the Messiah, he was saying, you're the one that's going to conquer evil in this world. You're the one. Here he is right in front of me. Guess what? You know Jesus. He is the one that's going to conquer all evil in this world. What else was the, 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 the concept of, the, of Jesus being the Messiah? He was going to be, be the one who would set all things straight how many spaghetti messes do you have in your life or you know of of others that you care about having in their life 
Jesus is the one who's going to set those things straight. He's going to be the one that sets your kids straight or your loved ones straight or the sick person straight or the ugly, mean, vicious person straight. He, the Messiah, is the one that's going to set all things straight. What else did it mean? It said he was going to be the one that would bring. This is why Peter and all the disciples were so excited. The Messiah was going to take, they thought, the Jewish nation and put them back on top of the pile. All right. You know what? Jesus came to put you on top of the pile. <laughs> he came to put you into a place of authority, of self-control, of power, of love, of a sound mind, of faith, of hope. He came and has come and is here today to put you on top of your pile. <laughs> Praise God. The revelation that Jesus is who he is, it changes the way you see things. Because you say, he's the Messiah. He's my Messiah. He's come to set things straight. In Deuteronomy 28, it's speaking of those who are obedient. They're blessed. They will be the head and not the tail. Praise God. The Messiah is the one who puts things, puts people back on top. And also the, the Messiah was the one that was going to be the human manifestation of God that would erase all doubt that God was with them. When the Messiah came, there would, be, there would be no more doubt that God was with him. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus says to you and me, he says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So when Peter had this revelation that Jesus was the Messiah, it was all of these powerful things. We need that same revelation. And I believe he's, even as I'm speaking right now, God is giving us a fresh revelation of what it means that Jesus is the Messiah. It's not some empty title or gesture of God. It's, it's life-changing to realize Jesus is who he says he is. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He reminds Peter, as I've mentioned, Peter, you have a new name. You're not Simon Peter. You're not Simon the old Simon. You're Peter, the new Peter. And you know what? I'm going to give you authority, and I'm going to give you power, and you're going to start acting like a different man, and you're going to start believing different. You're going to start receiving different. You're going to see different things happen. You have a new identity. And as Peter was listening to Jesus, I'm sure he was thinking back on the first time when Jesus gave him a new name it was in John chapter 1 verse 42 as he was called by Jesus uh, they brought I think it was his brother brought Peter to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said you're Simon son of John <laughs> but you will be called Cephas which means which is translated Peter he probably was sitting there as Jesus was talking to him and mixing Simon Simon Peter and and Simon and he was reminded of when Jesus changed his identity let me tell you what you need to be reminded over and over again I'm a you're a new person in Christ Jesus let the Holy Spirit keep reinforcing in that, that in you. You're not the old person. You're not carrying that old baggage. There's no skeletons in the closet. You are a new creation. The past is the past. When you look back, all you see is Jesus. And all you look forward, all you see is his glory, his promises, his covenant, as we spoke of this morning. 
All right, so in 2 Corinthians, speaking of a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, here it is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. How are you going to begin to interfere with evil in this world? You're going to remember Jesus is who he is, and you are who he says you are. Did you get that? How are you going to start interfering with the evil in this world? You're going to be who Jesus says you are, not who the enemy says you are. Not what your memory says that you are. Not what some random thought says you are. You are who you are because of who Jesus says you are. And that's the end of the story. There's no arguments left on that. And then Jesus says, you know, Peter, people like you, I'm going to build a church on people like you. Guess what? If you're in Christ, you're a person like Peter was. You may not realize it yet, and that's okay. But begin to realize it tonight. You're no, you're no ordinary person. If you're in Christ, you are extraordinary, and God has extraordinary plans for you. <laughs> there's no impossibilities. There's no obstacles too big for you because you are in Christ and the gates of hell, no evil influence is going to prevail against you. It's not going to prevail. Praise God, you can get up tomorrow morning, look in the mirror and realize, I'm a new creation. The gates of hell, the evil influence in this world is not going to prevail against me. Evil is, is it's going to go down in front of me. I'm going to trample it. I'm going to walk over it. The Bible speaks of this morning, I spoke, spoke on it. Uh, he's going to put Satan under your feet. Under your, he's already done it. You just don't realize it. I don't realize it at times. Praise God. So let's just look at this same scripture, Matthew 16, verse 19, in the expanded Bible. Now, I love the amplified version. The expanded uh, Bible is very similar to the, the amplified. Let's read it, though, in this version. It's expanded, as, as the title would indicate. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, the things and whatever you don't allow. In other words, whatever you forbid, whatever you prohibit, whatever you bind on earth will be the things that God does not allow. In other words, it's not allowed in heaven. It's the very things that God doesn't allow, the things that he forbids and are, are bound in heaven. And the things, whatever you allow, or you permit, you loose, you allow on earth will be the very things that God allows, permits, or looses in heaven. So it really it kind of boils down to these things. And let me just ask these two questions. What is forbidden or prohibited in heaven? Stop and think about that. Before I flash out, flash up all the answers here, you answer it for yourself. What has God forbidden in, in heaven? Let's think about Revelations. It says in Revelations, there'll be no more tears, mourning, or sorrow in heaven. That's forbidden in heaven. It's not, it's not even thought of in heaven. There's not going to be any more death in heaven. There's not going to be any more sickness in heaven. There's not going to be any kind of separation. There's not going to be depression in heaven, right? Think of it. What are the things that you know from the word of God and from your knowledge of God's character and nature that are not in heaven today? Well, guess what? The Bible says whatever's forbidden in heaven needs to start being forbidden here on earth. Is there abuse in heaven? 
No, there's no abuse in heaven. Then let's take what's been bound and forbidden and prohibited in heaven and say, you know what? That is not going to be allowed on my watch. I'm going to start praying against it. I'm going to start standing against it. I'm going to start voting against it. I'm going to do everything in my power to say, I'm, whatever's not in heaven, I don't want it here on earth. Well, what is loosed in heaven? There's the second question. What's in heaven that's allowable, that's encouraged, that God wants, that God loves? Well, think about it. There's peace, right? There's love. There's faith. There's hope. There's self-control. There's gentleness, there's power, there's authority. Hey, you know what? In the name of Jesus, I'm going to start loosing those things here on earth. This was eye-opening to me. God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you and you are going to be a blessing. And what God was telling Abraham is you are going to be a dispenser of heavenly blessings to all of those around you. So whenever I'm in the the grocery store, whatever you call it, Walmart, <laughs> and I'm paying, and I tell that cashier, God bless you. I'm releasing a heavenly blessing onto that person in that person's life, whether they love Jesus or not, all right? Whenever I pray for somebody, I'm releasing, I'm a dispenser of heavenly blessings. I'm a conduit, all right? I'm a pipeline from heaven. Those rich blessings flow through me and I enjoy them. Boy, that felt good, God's blessing. But they're coming right through me out to somebody else and, and I'm a dispenser. And so whatever, whatever's in heaven, peace, love, power, authority, joy, happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction, all of those things that are in heaven, praise God, I'm gonna make sure they get loosed here on earth. I'm gonna influence this earth for the good based on those things. But let's take a look at these things. Here's, here's uh, several things that are prohibited in heaven and those that are promoted in heaven. Look at this. Disturbing thoughts are not allowed in heaven. <laughs> when you get to heaven, you're not going to have a single disturbed thought in your mind. You're only going to have peaceful thoughts. So you're going to have what, what is promoted is heaven is peaceful, restful peace. Well, you know what? In the name of Jesus, I'm going to start interfering with disturbing thoughts that people have. I'm not going to allow it anymore. I'm going to pray against it. I'm going to speak against it. I'm going to stand up against it because that's not allowed in heaven. I want instead what's promoted in heaven, which is restful peace. What about what's prohibited in heaven? Selfish getting. Always get, get, get. Me, me, me. Well, what are we saying here in heaven? What's promoted is freedom from freedom, the freedom of selfless contribution. There's nothing that feels better than to give, give, give and give more. And of course, the first thought that we always think is money. Well, that's one of a zillion things that you can give. You can give joy to people. You can give encouragement to people. You can give hope to people. You can give uh, your gift to people. Miwa, for instance, gives in the, the aut autism community. She is giving, 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 and giving. Let me tell you what we each need to do what's promoted in heaven is the freedom because that freedom comes from giving. It's amazing how free you feel when you give, give, give. Miserable sickness, that's prohibited in heaven. There's not a soul that's sick in heaven. It is prohibited. 
Praise the Lord. We're going to start praying for what's promoted in heaven, supernatural healing and health. Does that mean I'm going to get sick at times? Absolutely. Do I ignore it and say, I'm not sick? Some people do that. They, they call this faith in God. I, I, I deny that I'm sick. If I have cancer, I've got cancer. If I got a cold, I've got a cold. If I got COVID, I've got COVID. But you know what? Supernatural healing is part of the covenant relationship with Jesus has for me. And I have healing from the Lord, praise God. It's promoted in heaven. Desperate poverty versus wealthy supply and provision. Praise God. God wants to give you more than enough. He shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Now the apostle Paul, I'm not going to deny it. He said, I've, been, I've learned to be content with little or much. Well, I tell you what, it's not about physical wealth. It's about the wealth of your soul. Praise God. But God does supply your physical needs. It's undeniable. He does it. His word proves it, and we've experienced it. I guarantee you, every one of us has experienced the blessing of God. Debilitating temptation, where you just can't help yourself. You fall into temptation overnight. That's, that is absolutely prohibited in heaven. What's promoted in heaven is God-empowered self-control. God wants you to be self-controlled and that can be released to you. Self-condemnation and self-hatred versus overcome by God's personal love for you. Or life-ending hopelessness, hopelessness prohibited in heaven, but promoted in, in, in heaven is life-altering hopefulness. Or life, uh, deep, dark negativity and depression versus a strong, unshakable faith in God and overflowing joy. All of this summed up to be torturous evil that's prohibited in heaven versus all-powerful virtue and righteousness. Do you see the picture? You and me, we put up with things that we don't have to put up with, both in ourselves and in others. God's called you not just to look out for yourself. He's called you to look out for others and begin to interfere with the evil that comes against us on a day-to-day -day basis. All right, with this enlightenment then, we realize what it means that Jesus is the Messiah. If you want to go to the next slide here, realize what it means that Jesus is the Messiah. That's going to enlighten us. Acknowledge that you're a new creation in him. Understand what is prohibited and what is richly available in heaven. When this happens, these three things happen, you can stop evil from influencing in this world. With these three thoughts, I tell you what, we're a sleeping giant. The church of Jesus Christ is a sleeping giant, all because we don't realize these three things right here. <laughs> Who Jesus is, acknowledging what he's done in our lives and realizing what heaven allows and doesn't allow. <laughs> we get these three things straight. Even if we were the only 20, 15 or 25 people in the whole wide world that were Christians, we could turn this world around. We could turn this world around. So let's look at this just briefly. Uh, in Genesis, going back to my example of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, I'll read it to you. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any, uh, any of the wild animals the Lord, had, Lord God had made. He said to the woman, 
Did God really say to you that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Look at how the devil works. Oh, just. The Bible says that we will judge the angels. And we all realize the Bible is very clear that the devil, Satan, was an angel, now a fallen angel. Someday I and you will get to judge the devil. And I cannot wait to do it. He's so crafty, so evil. He says, he lies to her. He says, did God really say this? Now, Eve, this only good thing that she did, she quotes what God actually said. She said, well, he said, we may eat from any of the trees in the garden, but God said, you must not eat from this fruit, from this tree in the middle of the garden. We must not touch it or we will die. You will certainly not die. The devil is a liar. The, the Bible says that he's the father of all lies. He flat out lies to Eve. Flat out lies to Eve. And the serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from, uh, from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Look, notice this, and this just struck me this week. The devil lied and he also made a promise. The devil is forever making promises to you. Forever making promises. He's promising, a lot of times he's prom promising that you're going to have disaster in your life, that you're going to die from this thing that you have or think you have, that you're going to fall apart financially, that your marriage is going to... He makes promises all the time, and his promises are flat-out false. He also makes promises of fame and fortune as he did with Jesus. He's raised and he said, hey, Jesus, if you'll just worship me, I'll give you the world. And he makes those kinds of promises as well. But the enemy, with every lie that he tells you, he's making you a promise at the same time. And it's a lying promise. It's an empty promise. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, as I mentioned, and he ate it as well. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Now, Here's some final thoughts. How does evil influence us? And we need to, we need to realize how in, evil influences us through reading these examples in the Bible because if we don't, we won't know how to reverse the cycle of evil. We need to know how evil influences us. Look at this. Evil constantly attempts to sow seeds of doubt about God, about his goodness, about his intent, about what he says, and about what he will and is willing to do. He, the enemy's always trying to put a seed of doubt. What does he do to, 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 uh, uh, to, to Eve? He says, did God really say? <laughs> did God really say? I'll never forget, there was this couple, uh, a Christian young man married a non-Christian young woman. They got married, and the young woman gave her heart to the Lord very shortly after they got married. Um, she was, man, she seemed pretty much on fire for God. But a couple of weeks or a few months later, she turned to her husband and she said, you know what, what would happen if I didn't serve the Lord? See, the enemy had already gotten into her mind and put a little seed of doubt in her mind. And let me tell you what, to this very day, that young lady struggles in and out of Christianity, loving God and not loving God, serving God and not serving God. 
the first step of evil is is that the enemy dropping a seed thought in your mind and it just sits there and you think about it in fact let's let's continue on with this how does evil influence us he puts seed thoughts in us often is a question in our thoughts and then we engage the thought and stay paralyzed by it indefinitely what does the devil do he he puts a thought in your mind that you're sick and that it's the worst case possible scenario and you're going to go to you know to the hospital you're going to be sick the rest of your life that is a doubt that the enemy has put in your mind and if you engage it you will be paralyzed indefinitely until you reject that thought do you get that He's always, don't engage the thoughts that the enemy puts in you. Stand, picture yourself as Adam. Go stand, not in front of the thought, in front of the enemy who gave you that thought and say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. Don't fight the thought, fight the source of the thought. And do that for your friends and family as well. Stand up for them and say, in the name of Jesus, get out of their life. Get out of their life. We don't fight with flesh and blood. We fight with powers and principalities. Think high things that exalt themselves against the, the, the power of God, of, of who Jesus is. Don't engage the thought and stay paralyzed. Don't talk with the enemy. Then listen to this. We listen to the lie and the promise of self-exaltation or self-preservation. We And... And, and we believe that God has bad intentions for us. That happens all the time. There's this little nagging thought that God isn't quite so good as he claims to be. Stop it already. Look at the Bible. See, see who God is. Look at what he's done in your life already. Believe that God is good and perfect and altogether loving and has your best interest in mind and you're going to be able to fight evil a lot easier we contemplate the lie and the promise and allow ourselves to be tempted and reason with ourselves instead of thinking to yourself think your thoughts to the lord involve him in your thought process and you won't fall into the trap of humanistic reasoning which would get every single one of us in trouble and then finally we act on that thought and we spread the evil to others look at that that's just crazy eve takes it and immediately spreads it (laughs) and this happens with young people all the time they do something bad and immediately they spread it around as quickly as they can you know what the reverse the power the virtue the righteousness of god is just as quick to spread as evil in fact even more powerful if we will do it intentionally so uh i don't know if i put this i guess how does evil influence us let's just look at this um actually next slide if you don't mind how can we sense if evil is at work in ourselves or in the life of someone else if they're distracted and disengaged and i'm talking about christians right now especially if you see a christian who's distracted and disengaged you can be sure that evil is at work in their lives and it's time for you to stand stand up and intervene and interfere with the evil that's going you may not even know what it is that's okay you don't need to know what it is you know the source of it and we're speaking to the source of it 
Praise God. Here's the next thing. They, the questions they ask and the things that they say will show that evil is at work in their lives. You can recognize it so that you can do something about it. What's another sign? They're not growing spiritually. And we have to look at ourselves as well. Are you growing spiritually? Look inside of your heart and say, am I growing spiritually? If you are, there's not a whole lot of evil in, impacting your life. But if you are stagnant in your growth with Jesus, there is a problem. Evil is at work in your life. Somewhere deep down, all right, that when, when you see their self-centered behavior, uh, when they think or we think that God doesn't have good intentions or we're contemplating a bad decision or we're spreading evil behavior to others, these are all signs that evil is at work. And when these signs are present, we can take action. We can take spiritual action. So here's the last thing that I want to mention to you. Adam, he had one of eight things that he could have done to intervene and interfere. Look at these. And you could, you could come up with these yourselves. First of all, he should have been guarding his garden. <laughs> we need to guard our lives. And we need to guard the lives of those that are around us. We are our brother's keeper. No matter what Cain said, we are our brother's keeper and we need to guard our garden against evil. Here's the next thing that, that Adam could or should have done. He should have been walking with God in the cool of the day and brought his wife with him. <laughs> they, were, they were off their game because God was coming to look for them for their daily walk. But where were they? They were in a place where they shouldn't have been. Number three, they, he should have taken that snake, grabbed it by its neck, and thrown it out of the garden. Never, never talked to a talking snake. He should have known better than that. Fourth, he should have spoken the truth of God out loud with conviction. Eve spoke the word of God, but apparently with very little conviction. You speak the word of God with conviction out loud in those types of situations. Number five, he could have gotten in between the snake and his wife and interfered with their conversation. And we do this through prayer. You can interfere with evil in people's lives by getting in the middle of their conversation through prayer. Number six, he could have exposed the lie and shot down the promise. <laughs> Every promise the enemy makes to you, you're going to die. You're going to suffer. You're going to end up in the hospital. You're going to end up divorced. You're going to end up a failure. You're going to end up this. You shoot it down and say, that is not true. Here's what the promise of God says. I, th I think this is something I've overlooked for years is the promise of the enemy. I need to recognize and say, that is not true. That is not, not going to happen expose the lie I think I said life I meant to say the lie expose the lie number seven he should have given his wife another fruit <laughs> replace it say here here hold on hold on let me take that away from you before you do anything with it let's pitch it over here here's something way better here's something way better number eight worst case somebody's going down the path don't go down the path with them and we do this all the time. If somebody's down, someone that we love is down, we get down with them. Don't do it. Stand up tall. Don't let them bring you down. You bring them up. But if they're willing to come up with you, distance yourself from them. 
I hate to say this has happened in our church many several times since I've pastored divisive people come into the church and I'm not going to have anything to do with them I'm not going to have they can blame me they can they can say I'm not loving they can say I play favorites I'm telling you what I'm not hanging out with divisive people and if that keeps us small it keeps us small I don't care <laughs> we're not going to do it so you know what he could have distanced himself and left her and said I am not having anything to do with what you're doing right now you listen to me you can stop evil you can stop the the, the influence of evil with yourself and with those around you let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you Heavenly Father for your word Lord it is truly a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. Praise God that you've given us. Uh, Lord, all of us have to some level, we have the gift of discernment. Let us begin to use it. Let us begin to use it. Lord, to, to use discernment in our relationships, Lord God. Discernment, spiritual discernment, and what's going on in other people's lives and certainly what's going on in our lives, Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, let us put into practice this interference uh, with evil influences in and around us, oh God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, the devil is a liar and he makes false promises that he will not keep in any form or fashion. Hallelujah. Lord, if the devil is promising that us that we're gonna end up in the hospital and sick, Lord God, that is a promise he can't keep. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, if the devil is telling us that we're not going to succeed in life, that we're going to be oppressed and we're going to be kept down, Lord, that's a promise he can't keep for, for a child of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Tonight, Lord, help us to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And Lord, to begin to stir our hearts up and say, no, 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 I'm not going to be an idle Adam. Lord, no, I'm going to get in and I'm going to begin to interfere with the influence of evil, with those that I love, with those that I care about. Jesus, you're the Messiah. You came to destroy all the works of the devil. Praise God. The Messiah lives in my heart. He's, made, he's a conqueror. And the Bible says he's made me more than a conqueror as well. Praise God. I'm the head and not the tail i'm in christ not outside of christ i'm a new creation all things are made new praise god i'm gonna i'm gonna move out in my new authority and my new power and my new destiny praise god and i'm going to be used of god powerfully in this world to make a difference for the kingdom of heaven